And welcome back to Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast. For the second part of this early December podcast, we're a couple weeks away from the TLC pay-per-view. We already talked at length about the potential title unification, the Cena Orton matchup, uh, what we see the main event seeing, and if uh, there is indeed a uh, unification that would shake up a lot of guys, and some guys uh, that we expect to be in the main event hopefully over the next year are currently in different kinds of feuds than we're used to seeing. Uh, we've got CM Punk being put in a handicap match with the Shield. Uh, I mean, we've certainly seen him fight the Shield many times, but now it's three on one. And the same story for Daniel Bryan against the Wyatts. So we'll first start off talking about the CM Punk situation. Uh, he opens up Raw, and he called out Triple H specifically, which I thought was interesting, even though he ends up obviously being matched up with the Shield. But he, you know, he mentioned the King of Kings, and he said he shouldn't be kicking a hornet's nest. Uh, even when after Kane called him the big red ass kicker. Uh, so, you know, I guess maybe overall what we're seeing here is, is Punk being positioned against the authority. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly what it seems like, and that cer- that definitely makes sense given his past with Triple H, and I thought it was good that Stephanie is the one that, uh, that has been stepping up a little bit instead of um, maybe Kane, because if, if I'm not mistaken, or in, instead of Triple H, I know Kane definitely uh, had his input, but... Uh, I kind of like the fact that Triple H is not the one that uh, had something to say, because otherwise, why is Kane even there, right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, it does make more sense that if you're going to insert Kane into this whole situation, that he's going to have to, Triple H has to kind of take a back seat in order to make Kane worthwhile. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of people like to see Triple H in the ring, you know, they, they like the, the feel of the big matches with Triple H coming out of retirement or whatever. And I, I kind of feel like anytime Triple H comes out and is staring face-to-face with one of these guys, there's a possibility that they're going to end up in a match together. And that, that to me, doesn't help the overall product. So I like, I like Triple H taking a, a back seat to uh, Kane and Stephanie. From that perspective. Yeah, I agree. And actually, one thing I meant to mention during the John Cena and Randy Orton uh, discussion earlier was when uh, uh, Triple H was going over the list of all-time greats that have held the belt, uh, the WWE belt, and towards the end of it, Stephanie's like, and Triple H? Like, crowbars it in there. Yeah, she did that on both of them. Yeah. So, you know, I do think that we're not out of the woods yet as far as Triple H, uh, you know, staying away from the ring because, you know, th- this whole unification could certainly lead to him deciding that he's the one that should hold the belt. Uh, you know, I don't know how they structure that over the next several months, but I, I definitely don't think we're out of the woods on that. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe we're, a- maybe we're aiming towards something more like Punk versus Triple H, uh, which... You know, I wouldn't be too heartbroken over it. I think that'd be fine. Uh, it's not something we've seen recently, at least. Uh, 
rather than all the feuds that Punk's been in that have just been recycled over and over over the last two years. Right. So long as it's a big situation, I'm all right with it. But what I don't need to see is Triple H just having some random match just because Trip just because uh, he and CM Punk can't get along. If Triple H wants to get involved as the world champion, then you know it's not something I want to see long term. But if that means that it's Triple H versus CM Punk, and CM Punk's going to be the one to get the uh, the ultimate rub at WrestleMania 30, then I could be okay with that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, I, I certainly do hope that that Punk gets involved. Uh, in, in a big angle for WrestleMania 30, it'd be such a waste if he wasn't. Now, I think, I think potentially this this matchup with the Shield is going to end up being more about the Shield than it is about Punk. I mean, I think obviously Punk's story is going to continue, but you know, we've seen over the last several months, there's little hints here and there of dissension among the Shield. Dean Ambrose kind of talking about himself more so than the team, and. Uh, you know they lost a few matches, and and then when they're they're cutting their little backstage promo uh, after they find out about them being scheduled with CM Punk, Dean Ambrose says you couldn't beat just me, and then Seth Rollins is like no you couldn't beat just me, and then Roman Reigns says it you know and it's there's certainly an ongoing theme of them being individuals lately, uh, and in, you know and Roman Reigns kind of carried them at Survivor Series, so I'm wondering. Do we think it's finally time that we see some dissension among the Shield? I mean, if they can't beat CM Punk three on one, you got to think that would upset them. Right. I, I think you almost have to do something at this pay-per-view because otherwise, why have this match? I mean, we've seen matches like this happen on Raw, and it's a throwaway match on a Raw. So why are you going to have a match like this booked at a pay-per-view with three weeks leading up to the event and then not do anything with it. So I, th I think unless they do something like that at the pay-per-view, unless they shake things up and, and you know pull the trigger on something happening with Roman Reigns or Dean Ambrose, I think it's certainly a wasted opportunity. Yeah, uh, and they've been running strong for over a year now. Uh, I mean, they were pretty much invincible for the first half of their run. Got the tag belts, you know. I think they've accomplished enough as as a faction. Uh, it's hard to see what else they can do. I mean, they've pretty much played their role as a spoiler before. You know, when CM Punk was keeping the belt for a while, and then you know they've played their role as the enforcers here. They've had their own success. Yeah, it's just it's kind of hard to see where else they can go, and they're all such strong competitors that. You know, I, I for one would would welcome seeing them in singles competition. Um, do you see? I, I, I guess the uh, the conventional wisdom is that we would think Dean Ambrose would end up being a heel, continue to be a heel, and you could potentially see Rollins and Reigns going face. I mean, do you think that would 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 they be a face tag team, or do you see them splitting up? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I certainly agree with you about Dean Ambrose. He's he would. The, the best op the best option for him is to keep him a heel. I absolutely agree that um, Roman Reigns would be a face. Um, where I'm having some trouble is determining where Seth Rollins fits in 
And I would say he could go with either one of them, but I think it's almost more likely that he stays with Ambrose and they form a tag team because if if you're going to break Roman Reigns away from the group, you almost need to uh, need to have him get some cheers from the crowd from you know for breaking apart from the other guys and showing some dominance. Yeah, and I could see how that Survivor Series. Um you know, what occurred there that could lead to him breaking off individually, feeling like he's strong enough to go it alone. Right. All right. Well, from one faction to another, uh, the other big uh, handicap match is going to be the Wyatts, three-on-one against Daniel Bryan. Now, we haven't seen Bray Wyatt in the ring for a while because he's been injured. Um, I think he might have had one little short appearance, but mostly he hasn't been wrestling. We saw Daniel Bryan defeat uh, Rowan and Harper by himself on Raw, but then we get a really cool promo, uh, really nice production values where they have a spotlight on Daniel Bryan and uh, kind of the creepy-looking Bray Wyatt on the Titantron. So, you know, Bray Wyatt cuts one of the best promos going right now. Uh, And personally, my favorite line I thought was just fantastic. And he was talking about how uh, Daniel Bryan, he's like, I saw you chasing after that little girly and the engagement ring and all that. And he's like, how long until they discover that your dirty little feet are soiling their red carpet? No, it was it was a great line. Um, I agree. It was a, it was a great promo. Honestly, I'm just glad they haven't dropped the ball and ignored this completely. I mean, they walked out of a pay per view holding Daniel Bryan over their shoulder. They talked about how they're going to bring out the monster in him. Yeah. And they've kept it going a little bit. I'm, I'm a little surprised. It was, it was definitely odd how he just showed back up doing the S's. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought from that perspective, you know, what are they doing? And I was kind of worried that they were just going to kind of ignore it, kind of just be like a backstage beatdown that you just didn't see. Yeah, but the fact that they had Wyatt cut that promo on the uh, Titan Tron and and you know they keep playing it up at least gives me hope that they're not going to just cane this angle, right? I mean, when when they took Kane off, we heard a little bit about it, and then it was done, and they haven't revisited it. Yeah, you you get to wonder like, did their whole booking? Uh, did their scheduling get screwed up with the Cena injury, you know, where then they have to put Daniel Bryan, you know, maybe all along they wanted Daniel Bryan to be in a feud with the Wyatts, but then they had to move Kane into it so Bryan could feud with Cena because Cena was leaving, and who knows. Uh, but they certainly didn't flesh out that Kane feud. Uh, but now they're doing it with Bryan, uh, and I think it makes more sense with him anyway. Uh I mean, we had fun tossing around ideas about what they could do with Kane, have him join the Wyatts and all that, but, you know, he's so established, and I don't know if it would have really been that entertaining at the end of the day. With Daniel Bryan, you still got a guy that's chasing after the, the brass ring. You can believe in his, in, uh, his in, in the story they're trying to sell you that Bray Wyatt might convince him that uh, he's being held down and that maybe he does need... Uh, their backing or their support or influence to help him uh, 
get to the top, you know? Because we've seen over the last several months that every time he gets close, it's not enough. Right. I mean, I, I think there are certainly a lot more ways they can go with Daniel Bryan in the Wyatt family than Kane in the Wyatt family, just because Kane, if he goes back to being a monster, okay, that's just one of two characters he plays. With Daniel Bryan, it's not something we've really seen before. There could be a lot of manipulation. He, you know, having him heal is a lot different. Um, so I think that could be cool. I'm just wondering, how, how is it going to play out at the pay-per-view? I mean, I guess that's why we're going to have to tune in and watch. But, I mean, what is there that they can really do in a one-on-three scenario where, you know, it's Daniel Bryan against the people who are trying to bring out the badness in him? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure either. Um, you know, I guess you could have a situation, I, I feel like I've seen this in some movies, I don't really recall which ones, where like, you know, if he's attacking one guy and he just kind of loses it and beats him down to a pulp, and you could have Bray Wyatt just egging him on to keep going, you know? Right. Uh, I've seen things like that in storytelling before, uh, to just show that he's completely snapping and then he goes from fighting these guys to join them. Um, and yet, you know, in a few other notes from that that whole discussion, or the the promo, you know, he's, he started talking about, you know, you're the circus clown and I want to bring out the monster within you, bring the machine to its knees. I, I, I do think this is going somewhere, but to your point, I, I it's definitely hard to see how they're going to play out the match um, aside from a kidnapping, which they've already done, so you, you hope they take it in a different direction. Right, especially because there was no fallout from the first kidnapping, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, essentially, everything they've done since that match was over at Survivor Series, ever since you know they went back through the curtain, everything they've done since then, they could have done without taking Daniel Bryan out of the ring. Yeah, and don't they? And don't the whites have to be the ones that walk out with their agenda being accomplished? Because, you know, like as we saw with the Shield for their first six months of, of action, they were unstoppable. Probably, I think it might have even been longer than six months. But the whites haven't had a lot of success. I mean, they cut great promos. They've done pretty well in the ring, but you know, they're not to be feared necessarily, other than the fact that they're creepy. I mean, they haven't actually accomplished anything they claim to have set out to do. Right. So don't they have to come out of this, the the victors basically? Yeah, un unless somebody in the back office decided that it's that this angle has run its course and that they're not going to be what they thought they could be, unless somebody's losing hope in them. But I don't think they would have booked um, the TLC pay per view this way if they didn't believe in the Wyatts. So yeah. See, I would agree with you that that if if it's going to be the Wyatts or the Shield coming out of this pay-per-view with, uh, you know, having him imposed their will on their opponent, I think it has to be the Wyatts. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully they're not... I, I don't think it's... I don't think they would be tired of the angle. Um, I think it's, it's possible that Bray Wyatt's injury slowed down some of what they had planned, uh, and they had to stretch it out. Yeah, and he's just too good on the mic for them not to to utilize that. 
You you almost have to wonder what could have been if Bray Wyatt hadn't hurt his leg. I mean, where would he be right now? Would he be an Intercontinental Champion? Would he be United States Champion? Would he be feuding with Kane? Would the feud with Daniel Bryan be a little better? You know, would he be more active in that? I mean, there's there's tons of things we can speculate on. I certainly agree with you that I don't think that they've lost um, interest in pushing the, the Wyatt family. I don't I don't think they've decided that it won't work. So I think from that perspective, yeah, I, I do think we'll uh, we'll see it move forward at the pay per view. Yeah. So hopefully, both of these uh, handicap matches will mean something, uh, not just be good ways to fill time. So, you know, another match that I'm, I'm fairly excited about, you know, especially given the fact that they set this up with several weeks to go. I mean, really, we haven't seen an Intercontinental or U.S. title match set up uh, with any more time than, say, six days before the pay-per-view, uh, if not the night before or the day of. Uh, so, you know, we have Biggie Langston defending his newly acquired Intercontinental Championship against Damian Sandow, who uh, had a number one contender match against Dolph Ziggler. Uh, you know, did some good build-up there with uh, saying that he wants it and, and pointing at Big E. I caught the very beginning of SmackDown. He was, you know, uh, playing up the history of it, playing up how important it is to him to win it. So, you know, I think we're, we're getting at least a small dose of of what people wanted to see with these undercard titles, getting some respect here. Uh, do you like do you like this matchup, this pairing of guys to uh, maybe have our a real intercontinental feud for once? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I was really happy that Big E won the Intercontinental Championship. I feel like he has some potential, but you're not going to be able to see what his potential is unless you get him a little bit away from Dolph Ziggler and. Uh, give him an opportunity with either the Intercontinental or the United States Championship. So from that perspective, I couldn't be happier. And the other thing you mentioned about the fact that they had a number one contenders match, I mean, did it surprise you that they had a number one contenders match for the Intercontinental Championship? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's certainly been a while. Um, You know, the entire time that uh, Curtis Axel had it, I... (laughs) Maybe they had one. I don't recall. Uh, it was just kind of dormant. So yeah, I was a little surprised. Uh, I, although I, you know, I'm sure some might disagree. I thought the right two people were in a, in the number one contenders match. Oh, absolutely. Especially when, especially when you consider that, you know, they're taking the world title off the table as far as those guys are concerned. Uh, so Ziggler and Sandow were the right choices. Uh, I'm glad he won. You know, and and. And that makes you think that, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons they took the briefcase off of him. They thought, all right, we're going to unify these belts to take the briefcase off, but we're going to give you the Intercontinental belt instead. Yeah. Yeah, And and when I said that Big E needs to get away from Dolph Ziggler, I kind of meant it that they need to not be a pairing anymore. They need to not be tagging up. They need to not let Dolph Ziggler kind of hog the spotlight and, you know, have uh, Big E get a chance to talk a little bit. Um, I think I think that, you know, e- even if those two guys are feuding, I think that 
one way or the other, you have to give Big E somebody as an opponent other than Dolph Ziggler, even if it's not this month, if it's next month. So it didn't necessarily matter to me that, you know, Sandow won it instead of Ziggler, but I just feel like in the short term you need to establish Big E as somebody who doesn't just get involved with Ziggler. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's important for him to be on his own, and he's getting there. Uh, he's definitely got some cachet and social media. Uh, I think most people that give a crap about Twitter and WWE superstars, he's like one of the top follows. Uh, so he's got some personality. He's obviously got uh, a unique style in the ring. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see him get a run here. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to this matchup, you know, extending over to two pay-per-views. Although, I guess the next one would be... Is the next one Royal Rumble? Or... Um, probably is, isn't it? Probably. I can... I'll double-check on that. I would but certainly I think... like to see Mr. Sandow in the Rumble. But, if not, you know, it'd be nice to see these guys... Because I, I think they could work well together, uh, you know, back and forth on the mic if they ever give them the opportunity. Yeah, and, you know, with the Royal Rumble, they need so many guys that even if even if they do have an Intercontinental title match, I think you still have both of those guys in the Rumble. And to me, some of my favorite feuds are you have a pay-per-view before a Royal Rumble or a Raw. You have some guys that uh, you know have some beef with one another. Then things don't get ironed out at that pay-per-view or at that Raw. They're both in the Royal Rumble. You know, they eliminate each other. You know, the other guy comes back in, whatever. Yeah. And then it extends beyond the Rumble. I, I love how they can take this random Royal Rumble and work uh, work feuds into it. I think I think it works really well when they do that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a good point. I, I've I remember seeing lots of examples of that. All right, so that's uh, you know, like I said before, it's nice to have this set up in advance. So we're gonna get some shows of them going back and forth a little bit. Hopefully, uh, one last thing from Raw that was gonna—I figured it was worth mentioning—and then after that, we'll talk a little bit about the Slammy Awards. I guess are gonna happen on Monday. Um, we saw the introduction of Bad News Barrett, who has been on the JBL and Cole YouTube show for a few months. Um, so I, you know, I'm not sure how many people actually knew about that. They had already been kind of working on this character a little bit. Uh, so. He shows up. I never thought he would make it onto television, but I guess they're going to roll with it for a little bit at least. Um, what did you think when you first saw it? I mean, were you aware of this before? I was not. I, I, I was aware of the JBL and Cole show, but for whatever reason, I don't watch it. Um, so You're not this missing was, a whole lot. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, so this was, this was my first time experiencing the... Bad news, Barrett, and uh, yeah. I, was not a, I was not a fan. I mean, I'm okay anytime somebody gets out there with a podium as something to say, but it was almost like he gave the first part of a promo, and then they switched away from it. He like he got that cheap heel heat by talking trash about the people that were there, and then they then they cut away. Didn't, didn't that seem awkward to you? Yeah, it's a, it's a holdover from the YouTube version of Bad News Barrett. Uh, because really, 
when he was on JBL and Colshay, it would only be for like five seconds because he'd show up and do something or he'd like tell somebody something and they'd be like, bad news, Barrett, like under their breath afterwards. So, so, so you're me this is almost like an inside joke? Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess it would be in some sense, yeah. Um, so, but but I just mean the the brevity of it is is basically what his character was on that clip show. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're going anywhere with it. I, I suspect it's just really a way to give him a little more personality than he's had because he really hasn't had any from what I've seen. Uh, I don't like the fact that it's basically stealing Sandow shtick uh, and doing it poorly because he's you know he's calling the miscreants all the Oklahoma City fans and then starts you know railing on their uh, Thanksgiving traditions and how they're fat and sweating while they eat and all that. Right. You know, so it's just like, all right, well, Sandow was doing that, and he was doing it better. So, <laughs> I mean, do we necessarily need to have someone else try that out, like, so soon? Yeah, if if, if you were going to tell me that uh, he was going to run a character named Bad News Barrett, and you weren't going to tell me what it was about, I would have to think that he was going to show up after somebody gets beat down in the ring and kind of laugh at them and poke fun at them and get heat that way. I mean, you know, oh, I saw that you uh, got dumped by AJ. Isn't that cute? Right. And you get added to a huge list of people. You know, just stupid stuff like that. And I would think that would work. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, at this point, it does seem like he's just taking a page out of Sandow's book, and I totally agree that he's not doing it anywhere near as well as Sandow. Yeah, so we'll see where it goes. Uh, I don't know. At least he's back on TV, right? So let's talk a little bit before we get out of here about the Slammy Awards. I guess they've – do they always do it at this time of year? It feels like they just crowbarred it in. Yeah, I feel like they uh, they just kind of do it whenever they want. I mean, I I could look up what the history is of the Slammys. I mean, yeah. I always enjoyed it. I loved it when uh, Owen Hart ran around with, you know, both those Slammy Awards and whatever. And mm. There have been times where, like, one person has won a Slammy. Like, I think it was Edge that won a Slammy, and Christian used to carry it around like it was his. I, right. I dig the gimmick, uh, and, I you know, I'm, I'm a fan of award shows anyway. Um, but, yeah, it does feel like they do it at a different time of year. It just seems kind of random. Yeah, all right. Well, you want to – we've got six announced, uh, and we'll just run through them real quick and, I guess, make a prediction like it even matters. Yeah, you want to start from the bottom? Yeah. Uh, the LOL moment of the year, and I don't even – I don't even remember the whole thing, but the Raw concert at the 20th anniversary of Raw, I kind of remember that. Vicky Guerrero was fired as Raw GM. Titus O'Neil throws up on JBL Cole and Coulter on SmackDown, which happened, I guess, last week. And then Greg Colley and Jinder Mahal try to charm Santino's Cobra on SmackDown. I got I got an obvious choice myself. Is Do you have one? Well, I, obviously I'm going to get rid of the last one because I don't think anyone cares about Kali and Jinder Mahal doing anything with Santino's Cobra. Well, that was actually my choice. Really? Yeah, I just thought it was it was one of the weirdest and dumbest and borderline knee-slapping things I'd seen in a while. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily because of Kali and Mahal. It's, it's more Santino and the way he was acting during the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. All right, well... I mean, did I, you see it? 
I probably missed it, to be quite yeah. honest. See, you didn't even see it. But, I mean, look. You're I mean, hating, and you didn't see it. You, you've got three aspects there that lead to the fact that I'm sure a lot of people missed it. First of all, it's on SmackDown, which means you're already losing half your audience. I DVR SmackDown every week. I, I, I think I almost always watch it. Um, I certainly watch it more than I watch uh, the uh, Thursday night show. Um, you got Kali. I, I skip a lot of his stuff, fast forward through it. Um, you know, maybe this was one of those weekends where I was going out of town and and didn't get to it. But yeah, I, I don't I don't remember seeing it. Um, yeah, I want to say it was maybe two or three months ago. All right. Well, in the immortal words of uh, Bad News Barrett, I will YouTube it. Yeah. All right, so who you got? We've got five more to go with. Honestly, because it because it was like a a, a multi part multi segment part, I'm gonna go with Titus O'Neil throwing up on uh, JBL Cole and, and Coulter. I, I the the fact that they were having an eating contest. Okay, I, I laughed a little bit at that. The fact that Cesaro spun him around and around and he was trying not to vomit in the ring. All right, I dig that. The fact that he was trying not to throw up after the match. That was interesting. And then the fact that he started vomiting in the hat and then it went everywhere, that worked yeah. for me. Yeah, definitely. They It was elaborate for sure. I could see that winning considering they just did it. Yeah. All right, so the next category is insults of the year. Stephanie McMahon insulted Big Show. You had AJ going off on the Total Divas. You got Paul Heyman's insults towards CM Punk. And I guess in general, Zeb Coulter's insults. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have a favorite in here? Yeah, I'd, I'd go with AJ. Yeah. Uh, I, it was yeah. it was really well done, uh, and it felt truthful, you know, whereas the rest of them were all just kind of sticky. Yeah, it, it was the first promo that I've seen AJ do where it's not cutting a promo on somebody that she was supposedly having sex with before. Um, you know, all of her other great promos either included Dolph Ziggler, John Cena, CM Punk, or Daniel Bryan. Um, so it was great to see her actually just tear the heart out of a lot of the uh, pop divas. Um, I didn't care for Stephanie McMahon's stuff at Big Show. Zeb Coulter's stuff is getting really tired. And uh, Paul Heyman's stuff with CM Punk uh, probably lasted a little too long for me. So, yeah, I'd definitely yeah. go with AJ. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, the AJ one was the only one that happened on a single show versus, like, ten episodes in a row. Right. Uh, all right, so match of the year is the next one up. We've got Undertaker versus CM Punk at WrestleMania 29. Uh, we have John Cena versus The Rock, also at WrestleMania 29. We have Cody Rhodes and Goldust versus Rollins and Reigns at Battleground, which I believe is where they actually won. Or no, is that, that's where they got their jobs back, or did they win the titles? Um, they got their jobs back that night. Yeah, I think that's where they got their jobs back. Yeah. And then uh, Triple Ace versus Brock Lesnar at Extreme Rules. So, uh, any of those jump out to you? Um, honestly, I kind of like the tag match. The, I've, I think those two teams have had some really good matches. Um, I don't know if Battleground was their best, but I'll certainly vote for it ahead of Triple H's match and certainly vote for it ahead of Undertaker and Punk, because I think Undertaker is looking a little tired. 
But yeah, I uh, I'd vote for it over uh, Cena Rock. You weren't immediately drawn to Triple H and Brock Lesnar. Um, kind of the opposite of that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I. My first impression is that one as well. You know, it had some genuine emotion. Uh, it was really the first peak we got to see of of Rhodes and Goldust together. Uh, you know, during this little phase of their career. So, yeah, that was the one that I generally cared about. I mean, Cena and Rock, WrestleMania 28, I was, you know, fairly interested in and, and would consider it a match of the year. But, you know, this year was just a repeat, and you, you kind of expected what happened. I really did like Undertaker CM Punk. Uh, maybe it's just been so long that I don't recall... Uh, what I felt about it, but the Rhodes and Goldust and Shield one I really liked, so yeah, that'd be my pick too. Yeah. All right, double cross of the year. Uh, Sandow was left off of this for double crossing Cody. I saw on Twitter he said uh, he wasn't on the nomination list because it wasn't a double cross, it was just doing business. Uh, so, anyway, we have uh, Triple H, Pedigree's Daniel Bryan following his win at SummerSlam, allowing Randy Orton to win the title. Uh, we got Shawn Michaels super kicking Daniel Bryan at Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Daniel Bryan double-crossed twice. Uh, we've got Mark Henry fakes retirement before attacking John Cena, and Paul Heyman betrays CM Punk at Money in the Bank. Those are all pretty good nominations, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly one that stands out a little more to me. Um... Uh, maybe two of them that that kind of hit me more than the others, and you might be surprised. Um, what what uh, which one? I don't really think I'm going to be surprised, but which one do you, <laughs> does it stand out for you? Well, the bottom two, Mark Henry and John Cena. I thought that was excellently done. Uh, Mark Henry had a lot of people going. He uh, he even took it to Twitter the days beforehand. Uh, so he kind of double crossed everybody, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he really had John Cena just, you know, going for it. And and uh, the Paul Heyman thing. Paul Heyman and CM Punk. I guess a lot of people probably saw it coming, but, you know, he he was on his side, and he truly double-crossed him. I mean, I don't feel like Triple H doing something to Daniel Bryan really constituted a double-cross because I didn't really feel like he was on his side before that. And uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, I don't know, I mean... He kind of saw Triple H get hurt and then just kind of acted out. Yeah, that's been played off as, yeah, that's not really, it didn't feel like a double cross. Right. So which one do you pick? Um, just because of the uh, the height of the moment, I would have to say Paul Heyman and CM Punk. Right on. Yeah, I d- those were the two that jumped out to me as well. I, I agree with the first two with Daniel Bryan, aren't that? I mean, the Triple H... Pedigree Brian was certainly shocking, uh, but like you said, it's you know it's not like they were friends. Um, Paul Heyman definitely betrayed CM Punk, but I'm gonna pick Mark Henry for partially what you mentioned about how he played it up on Twitter. Uh, it was just so glorious the whole thing. Um, you know, I think he, he had everybody going. You know, and even people that didn't necessarily consider themselves Mark Henry fans were feeling emotional over it, you know, he's saying he's coming home to his family, and it was just so perfectly played out, and his finisher being what it is, 
that you can hit it in an instant like you did. It just it was really quite a moment. Arguably one of the best moments of Raw here, I would I would say. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's my pick. All right, now we've got the last two awards: Steven Superstar of the Year for Diva of the Year. You got AJ Lee with the Bell Twins, I guess, together. Fungadackles together. Uh, Natalia, Caitlin, <laughs> and Eva Marie. Now, I mean, I really would love to pick Eva Marie. Oh but, yeah, uh, I was gonna make a case for her. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta pick AJ Lee. I don't see how they could give this to someone else and with a straight face. Do, do you? Well, uh, unless they go from the standpoint that Eva Marie is doing the most with the least talent. <laughs> I like mean, the Kevin Love Award. Yeah, I mean she. Uh, yeah, um, she shows up. She's on Total Divas a little bit. She dyes her hair, and all of a sudden she's a, a four four page spread in Maxim, and then uh, then she's on the show and. She barely does anything in the ring, and she gets a pinfall victory. She gets a smack Jerry Lawler. I mean, that's yeah, you're you're almost talking a uh, a Kurt Angle type uh, rookie year there. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. I'm sorry, I kind of fell asleep with what you were saying. <laughs> in fact, I tried to watch Total Divas, you know, because they came back. They had first they had eight episodes, and now they're back with another eight. Right. I watched the initial one where they came back and it covered SummerSlam and Daniel Bryan winning the title, which was interesting because you got to see the Bellas backstage watching the match and all that. And right. then uh, the second episode, you know, they talk about uh, Cena has to get a surgery and blah, blah, blah. And they decide that they're going to say that Eva Marie can be a ring announcer. And so, right. you know, they're like asking her to give an example of her ring announcing ability. And she's like, <laughs> She's like, Randy Orton from Los Angeles, California. And the guy's like, Randy Orton's from St. Louis, Missouri. He's one of our top stars. You have to know this. Right. You know, and like, I, I had to turn it off. I couldn't watch. I, You know, I, I don't like a lot of things that are awkward, but she is so freaking awkward, and she's got that stupid smirk on her face at all times. Can't she, do it. She, she, <laughs> she needs to be a valet. Who doesn't do anything other than maybe reaches out and trips somebody underneath the bottom rope now and again, and then gets in the ring and makes out with whoever it is after the match. Yeah, I, I think that needs to be the extent of her involvement. And then I think every week that she shows up at an arena, she needs to go a couple of rounds with somebody in the ring before they uh, start letting people into the arena, because the girl's hot. She's got a look. She could do it. But she's got no skills. Yeah, I don't know. I got no use for her. I can't think of anything I'd want her to do. Uh, hopefully, whatever she does is not on camera. All right. You, you, so, you, couldn't, you couldn't see Dolph Ziggler going heel and having that be his uh, his heel chick? I wouldn't be watching many Dolph Ziggler matches, I'll tell you that much. Wow. Cannot stand this chick. She's so freaking annoying. Uh, and her, you know, when she's been in the ring, it's just it's a it's a complete brush fire. Oh she yeah, can't even, she can't even go through the ropes. Yeah, oh, it's it's a dumpster fire. I mean, it, don't let her do anything. I mean, if she's going to get into the ring, have have Dolph Ziggler or whoever is going to be have them push down the middle rope so she doesn't have to do anything other than step over it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and it says here that the presenter is Eve. I wonder if that's Eve Torres. I, I I think I heard that it was. Should be awesome. 
Yeah. Kind of never thought I'd miss her. Now that <laughs> we're talking about Eva Marie. <laughs> yeah. Bring back Eve. All right, and the final one, the presenter for this is Shawn Michaels, interestingly enough. Uh, and the nominees for Superstar of the Year are John Cena, Randy Orton, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Big Show, and Brock Lesnar. Oh. <laughs> I noticed they left off Sandow and, <laughs> and Santino. All right, so, uh, you know, it seems like you could talk CM Punk because he was probably the champ the longest. Um, no, I guess not. He was uh, he lost it in February, didn't he? So maybe Cena's the champ the longest. I'm sure Cena is going to be one of the favorites, but I got to figure Brian is the logical choice here. What do you think? Um, in terms of getting mileage out of somebody for entertainment factor, you, you would have to probably go with Daniel Bryan. Um, if John Cena hadn't been out for a couple months with that uh, busted up elbow. I'd go with John Cena, um, and I still might, just because, you know, it was John Cena versus The Rock at uh, at WrestleMania, and you know, you had the whole story of him trying to get back in it before that, and I don't know, just. Uh, oh, what about that's this? A, that's the route I'd go. What about this? Um, I wonder if you could have you could help the Brian and Wyatt's angle out uh, by just having him be fuming over the fact that he didn't win. Oh, Superstar of the Year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I don't know what kind of level of, you know, de demonstrative fuming he would need to do, but just something that shows he feels like he should have won. You know, and this is a red carpet ceremony. Bray Wyatt specifically referenced red carpet situations. Yeah. Um, I don't know. See that's, that's and the presenter really, being Shawn Michaels, you know, it's it could add to his his hatred of the whole thing. That that's one of the areas where I feel like booking this three on one match at the pay per view already kind of limits you because I would love to see Bray Wyatt come up to Daniel Bryan and whisper in his ear that should have been you. That red carpet is safe. It's safe. They they're not letting you on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like, just be the devil in his ear. And maybe he'll still do that. Maybe he'll he'll say to Daniel Bryan, "Look at the pay per view, let out your aggression on us, show the world what you're made of, show them, show them that that you're the superstar of the year, make it happen, superstar, bring out the dragon." You know. Right, right. But it's like, if if that's the way they're gonna go, I would have waited. I I wouldn't have booked the match already. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're trying some new uh, uh, new method of operation here, where they actually book matches quicker than the night before. Yeah. Uh, so that precludes some of those possibilities. But yeah, I hear you. That would have been cool. Uh, a longer burn of of building up. But yeah, I don't know. I hope something goes down. Uh, I guess what are they? I mean, how long do they do this? They do it for like an hour of the show or something. Um, if if memory serves, they uh, they do it almost like they used to with the draft, where it's like periodically they'll bring out the uh, the lectern, and uh, so they they'll just take these and pepper them throughout the night. Yeah, 
And it looks like uh, they've got six other awards that all look pretty stupid um, that they haven't announced the nominees for. This is Awesome Moment of the Year, Extreme Moment of the Year, Trending Now, Hashtag of the Year. <laughs> Beard of the Year. I, Beard I of the should, Year. I should be on the list for that. I'm yeah, listening. seriously. Can we get fan submissions? <sighs> Breakout Star of the Year, Fan Partition Participation of the Year. How much do you want to bet Fan Participation of the Year is a stupid Fandango dance? Oh, yeah. Oh, it has yeah. to be. And Breakout Star of the Year, that might be him, too. Although your boy Sandow probably deserves it. One would think, one would think. The excellence of elocution. He's much more eloquent than me. <laughs> well, at least Stop you one. could say it. I'm not even going to try and say that phrase. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for this episode. Um, I think we felt positively about this Raw and where we're at at the moment versus where we were a couple weeks ago, so hopefully we don't... Uh, talk about doing a show next week and feel discouraged with what we saw in Raw. Yeah, and, and for a lot of people out there wondering where we've been, um, I know we didn't do an episode right after uh, Survivor Series, but we honestly thought about getting on uh, the mic right after the pay-per-view and just kind of ripping it up. We thought about letting it, you know, kind of simmer for a day and see where we were at, but there was just too much negativity coming out of that pay-per-view, and I, I just I couldn't uh, I couldn't bring myself to to do it. I think next time that's a mistake we're not going to make. I think next time we're just gonna we're just gonna let the dumpster fire just go wild and, and fuel it and let everybody know where we're coming from because they are probably there too. Well, we can also use the Thanksgiving uh, holiday as an excuse. So that's true. That's true. We both had a lot going on. We'd have to admit that we're deadbeats. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. We'll see you next week. All right. Have a good one.